0: Jane and every month I share stories and poems I've written to entertain you. I also do a bit of reminiscing, review favourite books, sometimes make recommendations and give you an insight into what's inspired me. Make sure you subscribe to hear tales of time travel, ghost, romance, adventure and more, all told in all accent. So get yourself comfy and get ready to listen to something new. February 2022 edition of All Told and Hull Accent. This month is mostly poems, poetry and poets. So I sit sitting comfortably. Okay. I like poetry. I'd like to be able to remember whole poems to quote or recite to people. I can remember little bits of them, but not enough to impress anyone. Over the last few months I've been learning about poetic forms and the history of certain poets and I've learnt some interesting methods that have given me an excitement to try some new structures. I've learnt some new words as well, intertextuality, ekphrases and kavafi. Intertextual is exploring the relationship between poems or literary texts that quote or alludes to another piece. Ekphrasis is um, a detailed description of a work of visual art as a literary device. A sort of in-depth description that speaks to the viewer with emotion. And Kavafi, I have discovered, was a poet who was widely considered the most distinguished Greek poet of the 20th century. I learned something new every day. There were some interesting examples of these kind of works but I didn't understand all of it, or even agree with some of the arguments given, especially for the intertextuality. To me, that sometimes appeared to be finding something in a poem and seeing how you could link it to someone else's work, which would obviously mean that they'd been influenced by it. The example I gave featured tulips. The assumption on the course was that because a certain imagery had been used, then it must have been drawn from an earlier poet, had been influenced by another who had seen soldiers marching through tulip fields or whatever. But if I was writing a poem about tulips, I'd think about what they'd remind me of and use that in my description, but I wouldn't have been influenced by a poem written in the 1800s because I described them as soldiers, I'd have been more influenced by my own experiences and visual connections, unless I specifically said I was drawn to so-and-so's poem and used our imagery because. It was very deep and some of it appeared as if poets hid meanings and delusions in the poetry on purpose so it would speak to literary scholars and be almost a secret message to themselves but the true meaning of the poem would be hidden to other readers. I will probably try this kind of poetry writing at some point but I find that I do prefer poetry that isn't abstract and that tells a story or an emotion. Before I start reciting, I'd like to share some new poets that I've discovered who don't appear abstract. Well, not to me anyway. The first is Holly McNish. I spotted an advertisement for her book Slug and I read a couple of extracts and was reminded a little of Pam Air's. She was telling it like it is with humour. It's a book about life from childbirth to death and all in between, told with eyes saddened by grief or with a heart beating with a thrill of a first love. You can read in silence sensitive prose about a grandparent's declining health or giggle childlessly at a poem about bodily functions. Evoke your own memories as familiar themes are recounted. It's a book that you can dip in and out of and explore the different topics or read from beginning to end in order. The author even states that you can read this book how you like but it took her a long time to compile it like she did. So your first reading of it might be good to go from start to finish like a regular book. Holly's a British poet and she's been on BBC Radio 4 Woman's Hour. She does live events. Um, she's also got Instagram and what she's done poetry readings on. She's published quite a few collections of poetry and she's released an album of music and poetry too. She's also won quite a few awards for her writing as well. She's really good. John Plunkett is the next poet I'd like to tell you about. John's been involved with the Aberfeldy Festival and has appeared in lots of different magazines and poetry books and journals. He was born in Northern Ireland but actually now lives in Scotland which is where I actually found his book in a little eco shop in Scotland whilst we was on holiday. A melody of sorts is just amazing. Each poem, no matter the length, conjures up an image and is a short story condensed cleverly into a few short lines. So far I've not yet read a poem in this book I don't like. Which is unusual, as normally there are at least one or two poems in an anthology that just don't do anything for me. I can only read one poem at a time, though, because each one's a full experience I want to linger over and savour. Another poetry book I bought whilst on Aldi in Scotland was Grimoire New Scottish Folk Tales. It's written by the Booker shortlisted author, Robin Robertson. I skimmed through this book before buying it and I'd read three poems at random and I liked them all. So that's why I bought it. The first poems I'm going to read today were inspired by two of my books. The first, Slugs, was written to explore how we react to slugs. Something to hate. Slugs. Something to wait To fingertip pick off. Wearing gloves from the lacy remains of your precious cabbages and throw over the fence into next doors. Put salt on them at sunset. See firm foam mid-munch as they devour your nasturtiums and dahlias. Watch horrified as they shed skin, alien-like, and slither away to plan the revenge. There's just something about them. How they manage to hide in your living room and come out at night To leave a trail with a dead end. Leave them a trap, a pretend party with beer. It's left for a week, grows fair, and a silvery band diverts past to nowhere. They watch and wait, devious minds, slugs, something to wait. This is a melody of sorts, My answer to, what else could a melody sound like? A melody of sorts. The rhythmic and syncopated click-clack of computer keys. The rustle and flutter of the slowly turning pages of a book. The shushing and scrunching of bicycle tyres on a dirt track the glug and splush of fragrant gin poured into a glass, neat. All of these are a melody of sorts. These poems were written for a poetry course. The first one is called The Poetry Machine. Poems are lines of words that can be long or short or acrostic. They're like butterflies on a summer's day or heartbreak in the rain. Poetry makes us feel things like a bottle of pop being shaken up. Poems remind us that life can be lived in many different ways. This next poem is called A Poem Is. A poem is a short, short film, a sepia polaroid, an epic tale. A glance through a window, a new romance, an old love, a break-up, unrequited. A poem is a repetitive strain injury, repetitive. A clumsy lumbering, a useless piece of information, repetitive. A tangled thread. A poem is an adventure, a farce, a musing, entertainment a treasured possession, a party piece, an inspiration, a secret, a poem, is. Excuse my poetry. An excuse to share bits of your life with people who wouldn't normally care less if you told them in normal words. An excuse to make a short journey into nostalgia, complete with soft focus, no stress, with yearning, what ifs in safety. An excuse to escape from our lives and live in someone else's for a short while without having to clear up the mess or read a novel or learn stuff. This last poem about poetry is called Poetry is Like Underwear. This was my favourite that I wrote for this task and I hope you enjoy it. Poetry is like underwear. Some ride up your bum and annoy you. And some are favourites and are got out time and time again. Some remind you of good times. Some of bad. And some you get out and wish you could get into them again but you can't because you've changed. Some new ones you want to show off. Some you keep secret. Some are soft and clean some are rough and worn some need the gusset scrubbing and some need throwing in the bin poetry is like underwear I hope you've enjoyed the poetry this month and so you don't get poemed out this next piece is a story about a poet looking for inspiration but finding something very different <laughs> The walk. The words won't come. I wanted to express the way the light was making the plants in the garden glow because it looked so beautiful. But everything I came up with sounded trite and done before. A walk might help, I decided. 10 minutes later, I was following the familiar path that led up past the edge of the estate and onto the bridleway. Beauty was camouflaged at first. I avoided the dog dirt and noticed the fast food wrappers and plastic bottles growing in the verges. Bags fluttered in the breeze. Tattered four leaves. Neither use nor ornament. It had only been a few months since I'd been part of the clean-up down here. Looks as if we'd never bothered. Eventually, the path turned and merged with the wider bridleway and it will not long before I could see the fields on either side through the thorny bushes and bare trees, and my shadow was flickering between them, running ahead. The scent of nettle and damp earth sneaked up on me, and before long, I was breathing deep and smiling, noticing the pale green buds emerging from the dead-looking twigs, and the wild garlic patches looking lush in the shade of the trees. It'd be at least two hours before the sun set properly, and I wish that I could paint was a decent photographer. Salmon pink was already beginning to tint the sky, and the grey edged clouds that were being pushed slowly along the horizon made a lovely picture. A few words and phrases played through my mind as I continued, though nothing that had me hurrying to take out my notebook yet. My boots, kicking up the odd bit of clinker, reminded me that this was once a railway line. It was a much quicker way to get to Sandforth. I vaguely remembered being told something about beaching, someone who would revolutionise the railways or something, I don't know exactly, and I wondered that if there had still been a railway, would Gillingham still be a thriving market town and would Sandforth have been a go-to destination instead of the sneered-at faded seaside town it had become? I remembered a school history lesson telling us about the quarry and the sheep farming and the abundance of field vegetables grown, which incidentally had led to the invention of many cabbage-based recipes. We'd been connected to the bigger cities like Ferring and Wollstone back then, and would have had visitors stopping to enjoy our hotels and restaurants before travelling on to Sandforth for the bracing sea air and bathing. Stupid beaching, you know, I thought. I had a sudden urge to learn more about our town and the railways. I wiped my nose on my sleeve and looked out over the brown, furred fields as my breath puffed in front of me. It looked as though nothing had been planted yet. Naked earth, a blank canvas. In the far distance to my left, I could see the back of Gotham Quarry, the rise topped by skeletal trees. Birds began to appear, black specks forming into a swirling mass, circling and weaving between each other. It looked like a complicated dance, and I watched it, contented for a few minutes before moving on. I shoved my hands deep into my pockets, and instead of heading for the chalky cliffs, decided to go as far as the edge of Sandforth Woods. The woods didn't join Sandforth, though they may well have done in medieval times, Something else for me to look up when I get home. I could see the edge of them, a dark wedge drawn across the landscape, and I picked up my pace a little. Crows called out to me, and I wondered if they were warning me not to go further. The woods were meant to be haunted, after all. A white lady and a Victorian boy. Everyone knew a friend of a friend whose cousin or grandmother had seen at least one of the apparitions, and there were rumours that they were seen before disasters, or as a premonition to bad fortune. I didn't believe it, I'd never felt spooked in the woods, and I don't know why I thought the crows were warning me. Last year's fallen leaves had created a fragrant carpet. I continued into the gloom for a couple of minutes, Underfoot, beach shells and fallen sticks added a splintery rhythm to my steps as they crunched and snapped. It didn't feel as cold here, the breeze baffled by the trees, I supposed. I looked at my watch. Time to turn back. I noticed that the birds had fallen silent, and I listened. I could hear the faint whisper of air that disturbed the twigs and few remaining shriveled leaves, but all else was quiet. The crack of a twig startled me, and I wondered if someone else in the woods had also stood for a moment, thinking that they too had heard something. Hello? I called. My voice seemed to hang in the air in front of me, loud and heavy with no depth. Silence called back. I waited. Nothing happened. I pulled my collar up and turned to go, Suddenly, something flashed in my peripheral vision to my right. I opened my mouth to call out a greeting, then stopped. It was a column of shimmering light between the trees, just like in those sci fi films when aliens are being beamed down. Violets and blues, iridescent strands in a perpetual falling motion, hurt my eyes and pulled me towards it. I'd never seen anything so beautiful or terrifying. Close to, it was at least three feet wide and shushed with a high-pitched noise, almost like sissing static or fast-falling rain. Colours appeared as if I was seeing them for the first time, shade on shade of glowing, pulsing needles of sharpness. I couldn't help it. I stretched out my hand and let my fingertips touch it. I could feel the colours pierce my skin with a coldness bordering on burning. It hurt and it didn't at the same time. I pushed my arm in further, then stepped forward. I was inside. The space was vast, silver white with no borders. The silence was vast, but I could hear the blood being pumped around my body. My breath sounded like a hurricane. I covered my ears and curled up into a ball. Every movement my body made was a sound. Valves opening and closing and moist swooshes and clicks. It was too much. And then, it wasn't. It was just my breath panting a little. I moistened my lips and slowly opened my eyes, ready to close them at the slightest sign of... The sun was painting the outlines of the trees gold. The damp from the leaves was soaking into the knees of my jeans. I scrambled unsteadily to my feet and fell against a tree. It held me up while I searched for the light. That bewitching, terrifying light. Nothing. I stayed slumped, trying to get my breath back. Trying to understand what I'd seen and experienced. A crow called. And then another. They were coming to roost. Should I mark the spot I'd seen the light? Though now I won't show the exact spot. There was nothing anywhere to show that anything had happened. The cawing intensified. The next morning I got a call from work. Asking why I hadn't been in the day before. I was confused for a moment. Had I got my rotor wrong? I looked at the date on my watch. I'd lost Tuesday. I told them I'd had a migraine and slept all day and that I'd only just recovered. What else could I say? You can message me on Twitter or Instagram and let me know what you think to my stories any feedback will be welcome. Um, I'm going to be doing a bit of research on alien abductions for a story I'm writing called The Lightning Bees. I started writing it in December of 2020 and I've been working on it on and off for the past year. Realising as I'm writing that I need to show, not tell. Debating first or third person. I'm wondering if I should have flashbacks or just tell it in chronological order. Now and again, the characters will start to show me a film of the life and I'll write about it, wondering where it fits in and what the relevance of it all is. Anyway, that's it for this month. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to tell your friends if you did. I'll put web links in the notes for my Twitter and Instagram. And I'll also put links in for Holly McNish and John Plunkett too, if you'd like to explore their work. Okay, next month, books, reading and history. Try for now.